I'm Seth Day. I use he, they pronouns. I'm Crystal Sunshine. I use she, her pronouns. And I'm Rebecca Hackmeyer, and I use she, her pronouns. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Rad, Rad Child, Child Podcast. Podcast. Hey folks, before we get started today, I just wanted to give a quick content warning that there is mention in this episode about eating disorders. If that's not something that you want to listen to, you can just check for the timestamps in the show notes and you'll know when to skip. All right, enjoy the show. All right. Uh, welcome back for another episode of Way to Go and Room to Grow. Uh, today we're talking about fat positivity slash fat liberation slash whatever you word you like. Hmm. Um, as we were talking about in the episode, there's so many different words that we use to talk about body positivity and body liberation and um, all these different kinds of things. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a buffet. Pick your own. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, I guess I can just start since I'm talking anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I <laughs> I sort of had two books that I half liked. So... <laughs> I'm just going to talk about both of like, they're, you know, they're okay, but I couldn't find one that I was like really in love with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figure if I half like two, that makes one good one. Um, <laughs> that's how that works, yes, right? That math tracks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. I'm, a, I'm very smart. I was so I was never very good at math. Here's a tangent story. And um, when I, I have this vivid memory of being in the sixth grade and we used to have vocabulary every day. And I was looking at my vocab book and I asked my mom sitting in the kitchen and I asked my mom, mom, what's an oaf? And she said, you know, an oaf is someone who's, you know, maybe not very good at something, not very smart. And I like nodded and said, I'm a math oaf. Oh. <laughs> and so my mom and I just <laughs> still, they're just like, I'm a math oaf, you know? Um, but anyway, so that glad, glad that math tracks. Anyway. So um, <laughs> the, the first book that I chose was actually recommended to me by a fat activist friend of mine. Um, uh, and it's called Brontorina. Mm-hmm. And that is by James Howe, who also write, wrote Big Bob, Little Bob that we talked about uh, in another episode. Right. Um, and also and- wrote Benicula. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know when I told my, uh, my wife is obsessed with bunnies. We have two bunnies. Right. And when I told her about that, cause I was like on his website, she was like, I need to read this. Oh my gosh. Have you? <laughs> no. Are, oh, you have to read Benicula. It is. It's fantastic. Okay. Well, read, yeah. A, oh, that's, a recommendation that's a, in a recommendation. Right. I mean, yeah, it's not, 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 doesn't necessarily have the social justice lens, but uh, it's, it's hilarious. It's, okay. It's just I'm going to have to look at it. Um, but anyway, so that was written by James Howe. Um, it was illustrated by Randy Cecil and it was published by Candlewick Press. And basically it's about a dinosaur, Brontorina, who wants to be a ballerina. And, you know, the teacher is kind of like, well, you're too big to be a ballerina. Um, you know, you're too big to, you can't fit in my studio, et cetera. And finally, you know, uh, the kids kind of are like, oh, please let, let, the dinosaur dance and she's like okay and she lets she lets her dance but like she's you know quote unquote like taking up too much space and you know her head is hitting the ceiling and uh you know it comes you know there is this line that i'm I have mixed feelings about. Well, no, I don't. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> um, where she's like, how is a male dancer ever going to lift you? Um, no, no. Yeah. And so the, then the, the, but then the, the teacher, as they sort of are, the teacher's like, I'm sorry, like you can't be a ballerina um, or whatever. The, uh, the kids, one of the kids, because there's like, 
one of the kids, one thing that I like about it um, is that the kids aren't like making fun of her. The kids are actually like, really supportive of her. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this one kid who just keeps saying, well, she doesn't have the right shoes. Um, Cause there's always that one kid, you know? Right. And, well, uh, and even, even that horrible line, like that tracks with a lot of people's experience of this is, oh, dance. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. That's what I was going to, I was going to say is just like, as much as I don't like it, like that is the problem, uh, a problem with dance and with ballet, um, that it is very gendered, but, uh, or is it, but anyway, so, so finally she's like sort of about to leave and she's, there's this picture. It's so sad. It's like her with a little one tear going down her little dinosaur face. Um, and then one of the kids, uh, goes, Oh, but my mom has a surprise for you. And like her mom made her ballet shoes. Um, and then, and then the teacher kind of has this aha moment and, and I quote, she says, Oh, fiddlesticks said, Madame Lucille, why didn't I see it before? The problem is not that you are too big. The problem is that my studio is too small. Um, and so they make an outdoor studio where everyone, including dinosaurs can dance. Well, that's not true because it's for boys, girls, and dinosaurs. I'm like, so non-binary people still can't go, um, but (laughs) dinosaurs can. (laughs) So that's, but that's one of my, my room to gross. But anyway, the things, the things that I like about it are usually I'm, I like, I prefer stories that kind of show actual people and actual like situations when we're talking about these kinds of books. But with this book, I don't mind it as much because I don't think it's hard to make the connection. And, um, and I think it's kind of a fun story that kids will be interested in. Uh, Cause like there's, I don't know if there's a dinosaur there. And I think it's, it kind of can open up that topic of size acceptance. Um, I like, like I said before, that the kids aren't mean to her. They're not like making fun of her except for that one girl. And the worst thing that she has to say is she doesn't have the right shoes. It's not like, you know, no one's, the teacher is the only one who's saying you're too big for my studio. No one else is saying that. So I appreciate that it's not like a, a about her being made fun of. Um, mm-hmm. And at the end, what I really like is if you look at the illustrations, um, like there's that line where she's saying, you know, no one's going to be able to lift you up. And at the end, it shows another dinosaur lifting her up. Um, so I, I appreciate that sort of resolution to that. Um, my, <laughs> my room to grows are, it's not own voices. It's not written by a dinosaur. Uh, no, but <laughs> it's also not written by a person of size. Um, James Howe, as far as I can tell, is a, you know, white cis man who is of average build. Um, it's not super diverse. There's like, it feels a little tokeny, tokenizing. There's like, you know, maybe one kid or two kids who are people of color and there's no sort of diversity in any other way. Um, I think, and I'm trying to think, I think almost everyone who speaks is white also. There's like some background people of color, which right. I'm like, um, And the whole boys and girls thing, at like, I feel like you could have just been like, Miss Abigail, school for dance. It didn't have to be school for boys and, you know, dance for boys and girls. Um, right. Although... Although, like, we were talking about, like, like I think they could have, you know, I think he could have made it, uh, you know, her school for dance or whatever, and there still could have been that line in there about the, like, male dancer picking you up or, like, it didn't need to be gendered. And I still think it's funny at the end where it's like, well, no, dinosaurs are allowed to dance, but not binary people are still excluded, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but overall, I mean, overall, I like it. Um, I think that it has you know, like I said, I don't think it's hard to, to make the, to make the connection. I think you could easily like, if you had 
inserted a person in that story. I think the same kind of narrative tracks. Which is like, why wouldn't they just insert a person? Because I find all these books that use animals. Like metaphors and animals. Uh, That's like, like, oh, it's not, it just really, uh, it doubles down on that idea that it's not okay to talk about fat people. That's fair. It's not okay to talk about people's actual bodies. Also, it makes you do more work as the reader. Then you're like so othered from group dynamics that you show up as an extinct animal, not even (laughs) as an animal that currently exists. You show up as an animal that cannot actually be currently viewed in society. I think that's hugely problematic. Yeah, I know. That's totally fair. And I think that it shows uh, like what you were saying about like it not being, you know, quote unquote, societally, like not being okay to be fat or our discomfort with fat bodies that like, how hard was it to find books for this topic? Did anyone else have trouble finding books for this topic? I think we all did. Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, I literally had to, like I said, I went to my friend who's a fat activist who also works with kids and was like, do you have a book that you like for this? And they were like, this is kind of the best one that I've got. Right. Um, But you know, it was really hard. Right. Because this, I mean, I think it just goes, I think that, yeah, this story has been embraced and like adopted in a way by that like fat positivity community, like you said. Mm -hmm. Yes, but it it wasn't necessarily written with that. Oh, absolutely not. Right. (laughs) Like it was not like they were not, I, 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 I would be shocked to learn that James Howe intended to do an allegory about that, you know, like that's, yes. which is, which is just part of the the problem, right? Like the idea of fat positivity is not on enough people's radar as a, a topic that needs to be um, embraced. And, you know, that, that the idea of kind of um, othering uh, and shaming yeah, People I think of size is something was, that needs to be dismantled. It's hard enough to find children's books in which fat bodies exist, period, let alone bodies celebrating, books celebrating fat bodies. And yep. that they want to teach their children about health. And so teaching about mm. fatness being okay is in conflict with their personal values and belief Absolutely. systems about fatness, which I think is like then like what we really need before we're going to see more children's books out there addressing this topic is we need more education for adults. Yeah. Right. Everybody go read Jess Baker. Like <laughs> I don't have time to educate you. Right. Well, even um, <laughs> like the, like uh, mocking fatness is like mm-hmm. the last, ex- I mean, not the last, but even within the, it's like the last, I'll, I'll just say the last acceptable kind of othering, right? Like, even in the most kind of progressive woke sitcoms, like mm-hmm. you see fat shaming, like constantly, yeah. like that is still, and there are folks calling it out, but even these shows, like even like shows that we love shows that we think are doing so many things, right. They will absolutely, absolutely make fun of fat, fat people. Yeah. And without, right. Especially and I, Aside from the only thing I can think of is Steven Universe for kids media with fat represent positive fat representation. But aside from that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking in general in cartoons and in children's media and books, you know, fat people are shown as villainous. They're shown as comedic or, you know, being lazy, the butt of a joke, lazy, yes. incompetent. Think about, think about like Shrek too, yeah. where there's like, it's like the immediate, like this is equated number one with being like less than 
And number two, it's equated with being ugly. And then maybe we could talk about the problematic nature of like the uh, idea about beauty in the first place. Mm. But it's like, mm. oh, like this is, this is like clearly represented as the way not to be. Yes. In every regard, whether it's being made fun of or not, it's positioned in that way in and everything. One of the things that I thought was really interesting when uh, when I was talking with my guests who were two fat activists um, uh, for this for the episode was I was talking about how I was like, okay, why is it that like you know, with Barbie, for example, they finally got on board with like, you know, having like, I don't know if you just saw that they just released, like they have one with Vertiligo now and they have one that's an amputee and they have, you know, they have all these different ones. And I'm like, okay, but why don't we have, you know, size representation yet and size diversity? And one of the guests was like, because I think it, it shows that like we're, we, we understand that like having a vertiligo is not a choice, right? Or, you know, being amputee is not a choice, but we're still seeing like being fat as a choice mm-hmm. or like as something that you're like doing to yourself. Right. Um, and I think that in, in a large part of society, like we do kind of see it as like, oh, well, you could just, you know, something that you could just change. Um, and that should be changed. I always think about the, like, um, the comparison of like, okay, well, uh, what if being fat was always absolutely equated with unhealth, which it's not, and I don't believe, but say it was now compare it with something that we absolutely know is equated with unhealth and smoking disease and death, like smoking, and do we vilify smokers in the same way that we vilify fat people? Like no. maybe a little bit more than we did 10 years ago, but absolutely not. Like smokers are accepted into social circles and families and like culture in this like very, very different way, especially like young people culture before people are in their forties and closer to death. So they look at it a little bit differently. <laughs> it's still, oh, I, totally forgot about this, but I remember being bullied isn't the right word, but being kind of uh, convinced by my family members to go and talk to my uncle and tell him like as a child that I was concerned about him and his weight. Oh my God. Like, because they thought that if it came from me, he would like take it seriously. Whoa. Like if a small child was like, I'm concerned about you and I want you to like live a long life and like whatever. Like, yeah, like my family kind of like pushed me to do that. And I like, I mean, I did. I was, I don't even know how old I was. Um, But I'm thinking about that now. I'm just like, that's so messed up. It's just like so easy to point (laughs) at fatness, right? Yeah. When you look at health, right? We're talking about mental health. We're talking about physical health. We're talking about heart health. We're talking about like all of these things that contribute to health, like really the evidence is out there does not fall and land on body size. It's just not a real indicator. You cannot look at somebody's body and determine how healthy they are. You just can't. And I mean, like we were saying, like there, and we talked a little bit about this in the episode, but there are 
so many, you know, skinny bodies that are not healthy bodies there, you know, you could be skinny, and be a smoker, you could be skinny, because you're ill, you could be skinny, uh, you don't have an eating disorder there, like, or a million other things. Um, and we talked, we were talking about this in the episode, how my mother in law has terminal cancer, and lost a lot of weight, because it's near her stomach, and like, it's her liver. And so mm-hmm. she can't eat as much. It's like pushing on her stomach. And, um, and uh, people were congratulating her on her weight loss mm-hmm. who didn't know that she was sick. Mm-hmm. And just like – also like just don't talk about people's bodies. <laughs> right. Or, Ever. Just you know, don't. I mean, that, that, I've heard that story so many times. Of just like <sighs> my friend got um, – uh, what is – I can't remember the name of – she got like a – Gastro. Heavy, no, it was like no. um, what's that – sickness that you get when you're it's like neck pain and a fever meningitis Mm. you got my friend got meningitis and was hospitalized for like two months oh my gosh she she was already really thin and when she came out she was like emaciated and people were like you look amazing what have you done and she was like i almost got meningitis (laughs) right culture is sick like and then and it was interesting we were um we were also talking about how it's such a consent thing where like you just shouldn't be talking about other people's bodies like you haven't been invited to comment on someone's body like even if you think you are making a positive comment whatever it is like you don't know how someone feels about that and it's just like not your place to be talking about other people's bodies totally confusing though when you were talking about educating kids about this subject, just Mm -hmm. as in when we talk about race with children, like we do want to teach kids that it's okay to talk about in some regard, or then it Mm -hmm. becomes this taboo subject that then becomes kind of encased in this cultural narrative. Well, I think there's a difference between like, we can talk about it, but you don't go up to someone and say that person's this, that person's that. Like you can come to me and say like, I noticed that that person looks different, whatever, but we don't like walk up to people and be like, you are fat. <laughs> well, and it's, you know? and it's, uh, um, if, if our, if what we're modeling for children is that we just don't talk about bodies like period, right? We just don't pass judgment on bodies, whether it's to compliment someone because they are emaciated from meningitis or that we're <laughs> remarking that they have fat like that we that we can notice these things but like that we that uh detangling this like value the value judgments yeah and then noticing and commenting are two different things right particularly right commenting to a person and Mm -hmm. commenting to the adult in charge because you have a question or you want to remark about something are two different two different approaches yeah totally um so I guess I'll move on to my second book, which we um, we all kind of talked a little bit about <laughs> already, but um, on our own time. Uh, right. But uh, this, it's it's called I almost read the wrong book. It's called Her Body Can, and it was just released uh, pretty recently. Um, and it's by Katie Crenshaw and Addie Mensch, and it was uh, illustrated by Lee Liu. 
and it was published by a hybrid publisher, um, and it's uh, East 26 Publishing. So a hybrid publisher is kind of like a combination of self-publishing and traditional publishing. It's basically, you know, it's like a cute little rhyming story that follows a chubby little girl and kind of celebrates her body and all the things that it can do. Um, Doesn't really have much of a plot other than that. Um, Right. (laughs) It's just kind of like her body can do this, her body can can do that. You know, it says, uh, for for example, like the first page is her body can smile, frown, rest, or hustle. She's oh so much more than brains, bones, and muscle. And it shows her running a race. Um, it's just kind of things like that, showing her doing different things with her body. So the things that I like about it, although <laughs> this is kind of uh, both a way to go and a room to grow, I, and I know that uh, not everyone shares this opinion with me, but I actually like rhyming stories. Um, I think that the, the rhymes in this book feel a little forced, um, but I, I enjoy rhyming stories, I guess, especially because I'm working with younger kids and um, I think that they're, they're fun to read and they're just, I don't know, I think a little fun for younger kids when they're done well. Um, I think I, I like that it's celebratory um, as opposed to a little bit like Bronterina, for example, where it was a little bit more of like a problem story. It's just like, she's chubby and her body can do all these things. Um, I also appreciate there's one page that's kind of, I feel like there's everything has a caveat, but um, there's one page that uh, says her body can choose cake, a kale or cake. Yummy, yummy food is her fuel and feels good in her tummy. And <laughs> I don't know why this is why they, how they chose to illustrate this, but she's wearing a shirt that just says kale. <laughs> in a bakery. <laughs> yes. She's in a bakery um, and she's, she's eating a cupcake and she has a shirt that says like, kale. I think like healthy I, food and you can eat cupcakes and you can be any size and <laughs> Because people have that assumption that, like, if you're a fat person and you're eating, like, a cookie in public, people will actually say things to you. Yes. Well, that's what I was going to say is that my way to go is that I appreciate that we see, like, a fat person eating cake. I'm like, you're allowed to eat cake. That's fine. I just I wonder about the way it was illustrated. It seems kind of funny. Like, it could have been, like, her, you know, like, in front of a buffet or something where there were different, I don't know, instead of showing that she likes kale by having her wearing a shirt that says kale. Kale. just seems kind of funny, but I do really appreciate, um, seeing a fat person eating cake and like enjoying cake in public and being allowed to do that. Um, uh, I also really like that we see her doing a lot of different things. We see her, um, running a race, playing baseball, um, uh, not just doing kind of stereotypically girly things. In fact, none of the things that she's doing, aside from maybe ballet, which like everybody could do ballet. Um, I mean, we see her skateboarding. We see her playing soccer, baseball, running a race. She's like acting in one scene, um, doing yoga. Like she's not, you know, just sitting there playing with dolls or something, um, which is nothing wrong with that. But I appreciate that there's uh, some diversity in the activities that she's doing, um, considering it's a book targeted for girls um which they are apparently coming out with his body can as well and i Mm -hmm. gently (laughs) i was talking with the publisher uh to get in order to get a review copy and i gently suggested that they try uh their body can Mm -hmm. (laughs) was like if you're gonna do those you have to do this one um anyway well they did not respond bodies can yeah and dinosaurs. Um, I also really like that we we see her tummy in a lot of the illustrations. 
Um, almost all of them, in fact. Uh, well, she, you know, when she's a midriff. Yes. And, and we see there's a page where that shows her wearing, uh, both a one piece and a two piece swimming that she can wear a two piece, like that keeps her body cool. Um, so I, my wife especially appreciated that as a person who feels like, you know, as a fat person who feels like people are, uh, you know, telling her that she can't wear a two piece. Like people in her family commented when we were on vacation that she should be wearing a two piece. And she was like, nah, I'm going to wear a two piece. Um, but she was like, yes, we were, re- it was funny. Cause I read it to her and I was like, I want to know what you think about this book. Like, I'm not going to say anything. And I want to know like, what your thoughts are. <laughs> what did you say? I mean, so she said that about like that, you know, she appreciated that, uh, like her tummy was shown. She also now something that I would not have picked up on is I was kind of like, Oh, some of it feels a little bit fillery to me. Like I don't understand why the pages are there. And she's like, which ones? And there's a page that shows her, the little girl in looking through a photo album and a bunch of pictures of her and friends. And the text reads her body can pose for pictures, say cheese. She'll love looking back at these fun memories. And I'm like, that seems kind of weird. And my wife was like, well, as somebody who hates having their picture taken and hates the way they look in pictures, like, I can appreciate like the idea of a kid enjoying like enjoying the way that she looks in pictures and right that, like she got something different out of that than I did. Mm-hmm. I feel like that this, but I feel like I'm always the person to be like, "There's the problem." But <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate this book was written. I'm annoyed about the fact that it's being represented as the as only the book. first the first, which it's yes. not. Because I also think that... Just to clarify, it's being... There's an article that's being uh, passed around a lot. I think six people sent it to me. Um, And it's... The title of it is, you know, something like the first body positive children's book. Yeah. Which is... Um, Which it is not. That's not true. Number two, I don't... I really appreciate the illustrations in this book more than anything. And the points that you're making, Seth, are... And what your wife got from it. I, I feel all of those realities about this book and appreciate them and I really think this book is written in an adult voice only mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um even if, I can get over forced rhyme too like I'm with you a little bit there Seth like it's yeah. a, it's like a little painful but I'm like it feels like a first draft of something like I was writing a song the other day and it feels it feels like the first draft before you revise something I just feel bit. like the whole storyline, though, because it's written in adult voice, it like what your wife got from this makes sense to me. I don't think it's what a kid would get from kid it. Kid would get from it. It's like, here's an example of adults who wrote a book to their child selves from an mm. adult life. To me, like a successful children's book will tell a story from a child point of view where the child Mm. presents like the problem and the child like figures out the solution. And this feels like adult didactic, like top down. Here's what I wish somebody told me when I was a kid that I think Mm. translate. like I think adults will get a lot out of reading this book to their children. But I don't think the kids are going to get the message in the same way. Well, partly because like it's just not very interesting. Like it's not a story. It. It no, reads it's more, more like, like a rhyme a or a poem or, a, um, or like a board yeah. book that is very much like this is about body positivity and representation yes. of fat bodies, which, yes, I guess there's room for that. But I would say on the curve, that's like the very beginning 
of the curve of awareness. Yes. And I guess that, I mean, based on the fact that we had a hard time finding other books, I think maybe that's that where is where we are. Well, I think it reminds me of books that are like, this is a trans person. It is okay to be trans. Um, right, exactly. Which is where we were however many years ago, and now we can just have trans characters. Right. So, like, no. I appreciate the representation in this book. There's someone that has a prosthetic leg. There's someone wearing a hijab. There's, you know, um, but like you're saying, Crystal, like, it's it feels very didactic kind and like to the point of it being the adult voice it kind of reminds me of my princess boy like that mm. book that is oh, like I'm written not a fan of that so book. much like to an adult that needs this education about their <laughs> child you know like rather than being something that is like just showing representation for a child yeah. to be like i see myself in this book um and then also some of the forced like when we're talking about the forced rhymes there's also a part where it's like um her body can know that the words people say and it's like almost like is it your 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 body knows like like something like like it started to get to a point where like what her body can do started to seem like things that other parts of yourself do like your brain or your like your feelings her body, like her body can know that the words people say like, I mean her, I guess your brain is body, a part of her body I don't right. know like her body can look at herself in the mirror like her body can look at herself in the mirror that's like talking, we're talking about somatics and like the body has wisdom and the body has voice and the body has. Yeah. I, I, I can see that angle. It doesn't, it doesn't totally work for me the way that it's done here. It starts to feel a little bit forced. Like there, I think like you're saying, like with a rewrite, like there would have been a way to rewrite these ideas in a more. um, And I'm I'm hoping that maybe even the, his body can, you know, is a little bit, you know, shows that, that work of being a second in something, you know what I mean? Well, Is yeah, but, and I like a little boy, like playing football and doing things like, I'm a little bit worried about the gender about what that book is going to look like. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't well, know. They've, they seem to have done a good job, like steering a clear, like Seth, like you said about the very like ge- overtly gendered activities, but it does sort of seem like when you have these couplings of like, her body Hers can, his. his body can. Like, first of all, of course, yes, it's excluding of non-binary, et cetera. But also it is, it kind of hits the nail on the head that this is a problem book. Like this is yes. for when you have a, a, a child, a, a daughter who has fat, like you give them this book. If you have a son who has fat, you give them this book. Like it just, it, it really kind of hit like really re-emphasizes for me the didactic nature of this book. See, I don't know. For me, I feel like I could read this book to any kid. I don't think I would need to. I um, Definitely. I think it's the, the intention behind okay, the okay, idea gotcha. that there needs to be a his and a hers. Yes. Like, who, who would you, you know, which kind of reinforces, right? Like, so why couldn't anyone read this book? Or like, why aren't there more, um, like, she's surrounded by, well, I guess she is surrounded by folks who look like they identify as well, boys and one girls. thing another of my uh, kind of room room to grow is that i for a book that is you know about fat representation i kind of wish there was more fat representation besides <laughs> just this one character yeah, totally. uh, um, we see you know everybody else looks fairly thin they, like they have different body types but they look fairly I thin that too, Seth. and um well, and especially of a fat girl and even the fat girl to me is like chubby at best. 
Um, <laughs> I think there's, I think there's a fair, I, I would say, I would argue that there's more body representation or body diversity than one sees. It seems like there is actively more body diversity than we see in a lot of picture books. I do appreciate I, this is one. I mean, what maybe the article should have said is it's the first fat positivity book written by fat people. Yes. Right. Written but by also, own, like written in own voices. Own voices, yeah. Pretty inclusive. Like it's gone beyond some of the things that we've seen so far. And I think it has great value because of that. But right. I, I think that you're right, Rebecca, in that like this is maybe the start of the arc. Yes. And it's like writing, which is great. I'm glad it's here. Now it's here. Now let's like evolve this. Like, yes. What What's going to come after this? This is like setting a great bar, I think. Yeah. And then like, okay, now let's like throw in some like children's voice stories where there's like more of a narrative or like these other pieces that I feel like are missing. Um, yeah. Or just like a book about a fat well. person just being doing living their Being life. Being a farmer. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like, like, who cares? Growing kale and growing like having kale. a problem on the farm and just being <laughs> that person that exists in the world solving problems. Yeah. Um, also, the, in the last in the last frame, it's interesting because it says, and what her body can, first of all, I, I'm not sure about the grammar in this sentence, but it says, and what her body can, darling, yours can do too, right? So like it talks to this imagined reader and then the, the child depicted, who is now watching this child do yoga, is white and blonde and slim. So yeah. it's not even it's not even another kind of fat body being that that imagined other. This and also this isn't for me. And also not all bodies can do the same thing. Things. Yeah. Like there's another, there's another thing that the other one line that bothered my wife was she's perfectly perfect. It's never been clearer. And she's like, nobody is perfect. Like that's right. the whole, like they're, what? The idea of perfect <laughs> too as being, I've seen this word kind of taken into account in several places this last year and kind of grouped in with other words that are like have ableist supremacist ableist sexist notions that mm -hmm. the, the idea of perfection is yeah kind of tied up in the idea of like a white hetero uh kind of philosophy you know well, i'm gonna i mean i'm gonna talk about this a little more when we talk about body positivity but the book that i chose for that which is unfortunately in English called love your body. I'm not wild about that title. Um, uh, but I have it, I have it in French. It's called mm. dear, it's called dear body. I love you in French, which has mm, a very different like connotation that. to me. Totally. Um, it feels more like you have a choice over it, but anyway, that I'll get to that next week. But there's a line in that book that show, you know, that it shows, uh, an array of all different kinds of bodies, all different shapes, sizes, colors, abilities. And it, and it says something along the lines of, you know, there's no shape, color, ability, whatever that's perfect. Like there's no perfect make and model. Um, and I'm like, yeah, like that's more, of a sentiment that I appreciate than like her body's perfect, you know? Um, Cause if her body is perfect and my body's different than that, then is my body not perfect? Right. You know, like to, to me, perfect is like an ideal, you know? Right. Um, 
and I mean, then I like, I, I oh, like the ahead. intention. Sorry, I like the yes. intention behind dismantling kind of the meaning of that word or expanding or broadening the meaning of that word. But it, uh, I think it misses the mark, like he said. I don't right. know. Yeah, like I feel like I don't. I don't know that I agree that I. I would feel like we actually need to refute the importance of that word, and that broadening it is kind of continuing to place importance upon it mm-hmm. in a way that's like, no, like being perfect is not a thing to actually strive for mm-hmm. period. Like let's go right. in all these other directions. Being perfect is not an ideal period. Yeah. Let's take that out of that word and put it somewhere else. I like that. Um, the last two things that I had to say about this for room to grows were just, um, like I said that, to me, the page about the photos seems a little bit like a filler. I was like, I don't get why this is here until my wife said that, had that comment. But also, I don't know what it, if, it, like you were saying, that a kid is going to take that away from that. Um, and then there's a page that says her body can dream of the places she'll go from Paris to London, perhaps Tokyo. And I'm like, I don't get why this is here. I don't, I don't know. And it, and and on this page, there is a picture of her wearing a kimono that bothers me. <laughs> Because she is a white person and that could have, and it could have been her eating sushi or like doing anything else that wasn't wearing a kimono. And like, I feel like, so, so I had this experience when I was um, in high school, I went to Japan and I stayed with a family there and they took me to um, a festival and they put me in a kimono and I went to this festival with them. And that was a cultural experience that I had. And that was appropriate, right? If I had shown up to Japan, in a kimono, that would not have been appropriate. And like, I, I don't want to have to break down that conversation for my child in this book that it has nothing to do with. Right. You know what I mean? It has nothing yeah. to do with the topic. And I don't even feel like this page needs to be, I would probably just skip this page to be honest. Um, it might that be might. a page that I glue together. Like, <laughs> this book could use editing, right? When you're saying it feels like a rough draft. It's like, yeah, oh, this is like, this is a sweet rhyme. That feels like it's solving some of that, like it's n- slightly narrative in nature. We're like, well, now she's going on a trip. <laughs> but also to like, I mean, to, to like Paris and London, it's like still very like Eurocentric. Like, yeah, they threw Tokyo yeah. in there. Swear to right. Yeah, and dressed her up in a kimono. Oh, God. And with like uh, geisha makeup, also not geisha makeup, but like with rosy cheeks. Children right. of geisha, like this is getting complicated. But also, guys, like if you so okay, like I said, I can see this being a board book that like is thrown in as like incorporating representation early, right? But like, can you imagine? So, like we're saying about the book with the with the sorry the spread with the photographs, mm-hmm. all right? So now imagine a real life situation: a family has this book, and a little girl doesn't want to be pictured or like whatever. And like you assume, you know, kind of top down as an adult, assume that it's because they don't like their body, you know, cause this child's pretty young in this book. So let's say you have a young child. What, what, what do you say to her? Do you say, don't you remember the girl from her body can like this child is not even named, you know, like there's no, how do you mm. kind of make that link where you say like, don't you <laughs> remember the, like, I just I don't see this being a book that a child will will kind of gravitate toward and kind of find 
meaning and resonance mm. in. Like it's not a character that's being developed where you can mm. say like, well, hey, remember that I now I'm starting to devolve into a ramble. No, I haven't read it to my son yet. And I'm interested too, because sometimes I'm surprised at the books he will pull off of our shelf mm. where I will think like, Oh wow. Like Rebecca and I really drove that book into the <laughs> like <laughs> nail to the wall, but my son actually loves this book. So some, I'm, I'm curious to see how that I, I, I agree with you, Rebecca. And I'm like, I wonder, um, I don't have a sense of how this lands with a child yet. Right. I, yeah. So like my overall feelings about it is proceed with caution. Like I think it's a good, um, a good book overall, depending on your kid. Um, but I, you know, I think that it's like we were saying, it's a first step and it's nice to at least see that the first step is being taken. Um, even though it is not the first book ever. <laughs> right. Um, but but yeah, so that's sort of my overall feelings about it. Does someone uh, feel strongly about going next? I can go. Okay. I'm like, um, I saw your book, Rebecca, and was like, oh, wow. We're going. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm, just, I'm interested in hearing your take on it. I mean, like, this is like such a funny book for us specifically because it, the way that it came into our kind of realm and then how our feelings about it transformed, I think has been interesting. And I'm surprised to see it as your choice, but I'm also interested. Well, I chose it because I think it does a little bit of what we are saying these other books don't do. And because like we talked about, like there's not a huge body of literature to work from for this topic because it is kind of still an under, an underdeveloped uh, genre. Um, So what I chose is The Streets Are Free, which was written by Carusa and illustrated by Monica Doppert. And it was published by Anik Press. And it was originally published um, in Spanish under the title of, you know what, I'm not even going to butcher this. It was originally, it it was translated by Karen Englander um, back in the 90s, or maybe back in the 80s. So it's an older book. But what I like about it, and it's the story of a group of children living in um, uh, San Jose, the city of San Jose in Caracas, and they have nowhere to play, and they are only able to play in the streets, and um, their parents are very busy working, and so these children take it upon themselves to demand that the city build them a park, Hmm. or that the city allow allot them space to build a park. And so this is a, a book about child activists. So these children go to the library, the librarian kind of incites in them this idea that they should um, kind of stage a protest. And so then they go to the mayor, the mayoral office and um, demand to see the mayor and demand that they, that they get a playground. Um, and then they work together um, to kind of identify their list of wants and needs. And ultimately, they end up building themselves a playground. Hmm. So it's a story of like child agency. Um, but the, the thing that uh, was unique about this book is that there is kind of incidental uh, fat representation 
And I would argue fat positivity representation because in this book, the term fat is kind of a stand-in for the term powerful. Um, and so there are two characters. Pardon? I'm sorry. I'm just curious uh, what the translation infers about that word and if we're getting the same thing from it in English as was as it meant in Spanish. Mm. Right. So I don't have a copy of the original Spanish version, unfortunately. But what we have are two characters described as fat. And the first is the mayor. Um, He, it says, uh, city hall was even bigger than they had imagined. The doorway was very high. Standing in the middle of it was a big fat man. No one comes in here, he said. Um, we came to ask for a playground. We came to see the people at city hall. We need a playground. Um, and then this, this person is being kind of aggressive with them, or maybe he's not the mayor, but he's a stand in for a represent a representative from this, from city hall. Um, and it, it, he's described, uh, every time he's described, he's described as the fat man, right? Um, so he's kind of a villain. However, then, um, Mothers, librarians, the police, kind of everyone convenes um, in this space because of this altercation that's happening between these children with their demands and this 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 fat man. And the mothers are shouting, what are you doing? Take them away. They're disturbing the peace. Let librarians sing what's going on here. And then it says, then one mother who was even bigger and fatter than he, the fat, the fat man, stood in front of the children. Oh, no, you don't, she said. If you put a hand on these kids, you have to arrest me too. And me, said another mother. And me, shouted the rest of the mothers. Suddenly, standing in the doorway of City Hall was the mayor, a reporter, and the munitional engineer. So this woman, who is described as bigger and fatter than the fat man, uh, essentially, like steps in and stands up for the children and like is the catalyst for hmm. uh, kind of change happening. Um, it's kind of a turning point in the story. So when we originally encountered this story, we really were drawn to it because of the child activist component. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were originally over a year ago, like very strong, that kind of struck or stricken by the use of the term fat as an adjective. Mm. And it was over the course of kind of a year of learning that I came to realize that like part of, like I was falling prey to that idea that fat was a kind of a negative moniker and a negative mm. descriptor and something that should we should absolutely avoid. And it wasn't until kind of getting immersed in kind of the fat positivity culture and landscape um, that I came to see how it was being used as this like term of power um, and and as a, as a term and as a descriptor is not something that we should shy away from. So I came to really appreciate um, the kind of role that fat people play in this story. Yeah. And I think like you were saying, it sounds like this book is, is it from the child, the children's perspective? It's written... Or- I mean, there's kind of an omniscient narrator. It's not, okay. it's, thir- it's, it's third person, okay. but it's definitely, um, 
it, it is an, it's a story. Yeah. Of, well, no, I was, children. I was just going to say, because to me, fat feels like a word a child would use to describe, like if they're just like describing someone, they'd be like, that person is fat. Like, you know, like it doesn't necessarily right, have the need same. to be, yeah, it doesn't have the same judgment that it, right. that it would if an adult was calling someone fat. Um, I don't, um, it, it is written in third person. I mm. wouldn't say that it's being okay. written from a child's voice, if that makes sense, but it's definitely uh, trying to get into the experience the experience of these children. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's more of a, it, it, it's a story in a way that um, her body can is not. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, my, like my initial like <gasps> shock and horror about when we encountered this book in hand, cause we had seen it online first. And when we got a physical copy I mean, maybe it speaks to the kind of internalized uh, kind of shame around fatness that exists in my Mm -hmm. life or that's been perpetuated by the media. But when I came in contact with that, like the fat man and that he was a villain, by the time the fat woman comes around, I feel like the association had already been made and I, I had a hard time with it. I hear what you're saying about it, and I I could get behind that. It still feels like a little shaky to me. It makes me uncomfortable, I guess. And mm. I'm, I don't know if that's because the message feels unclear or just because I feel uncomfortable with um, the I, trying to unpack that in a way where we haven't had more literature around to bolster the idea that being fat isn't equated with the villain. Mm-hmm. And because it's so equated with a villain in so many other places, it feels challenging for me to make that connection. Even though I totally appreciate what you're saying too about like, yeah, well, like this is exactly what we say we need more of books that just position characters with different body types and identities of various kinds in situations that have nothing to do with their body size. And it's okay to mention it and to de kind of um, de-escalate needing to always unpack it in a situation. So I I can appreciate it and it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I and, and, and it is, it's kind of, it's striking. It's one of the only kind of descriptor words that's used in this book. Mm. Um, but I, so it, it, it is an it, it, unusual, like it was, I think it was, we were very taken aback with with it as a descri- as being kind of evoked as a descriptor throughout this book but um i just have come to a place where and and also i i feel like um fatness is less in my mind tied up with in in this kind of media with with villainry than with kind of laziness and mm-hmm. like lack of control so like it didn't strike me as playing into a stereotype maybe in the same way that it struck you mm-hmm. um and so, and so then when we see the bigger fatter woman um it just i it, i just came to see it more as being utilized as a term of power and then in the end when like the children and the adults are kind of like well he's not going to actually do anything like yes the the mayor said he would make this change but we don't believe him um they they talk about community organizing and you kind of see another a woman again like a woman who's like of size um 
a larger woman like standing in a position where like everyone's turning to her and asking questions. And I think it's even a different woman, but she's maybe it's the same woman, but she's positioned in a where she's kind of clearly the leader of this group of organizers. Um, and ultimately they build their park together as a community. Aww. So it's kind of a neat story. Um, Although the front matter, there's a little note in the front matter. This, bear in mind, this was written in the 80s, but it says, um, the tr- it says, the streets are free is based on the true story of the children of the barrio of San Jose de la Urbana who wanted a place to play. They still don't have it, but continue dreaming and fighting for their playground. So when this was written, the ending was kind of like an imaginary, idealized ending. Um, it would be interesting to see if that's changed, but it's a great picture of, of folks kind of all different shades working together and cooking and, and planting and creating and repurposing materials and creating a park. So I think it's a cool story that has incidental fatness. Mm, I like that. I think that's something that we were talking about, like just struggling to see. Um, I mean, any representation, but also incidental representation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're start- there's certain things that I'm starting to see more of just like incidentally included, like we were talking about like um, disabilities and like uh, I, characters wearing hijabs um, and certain things that are sort of becoming people, people are becoming more aware of like, Hey, people are different. We should include different looking people in our books. Um, but you know, for whatever reason, fatness is not something because of that discomfort, I think. Right. Um, and the mixed feelings, like we were talking about how some people, um, you know, don't think that we should be representing them. Like, but this is how, so this is how I feel about like, it, for example, even if somebody, you know, for whatever reason did not believe it was okay to be gay, your kid is still going to meet gay people. Like they right. still need to know that gay people exist. Like, even if you <laughs> think that like being fat, you know, is the like the, to, for that to be the reason to not include it in a book is strange to me because like fat people still exist. Right. Like we pretend, need like, what? <laughs> Less incidental dinosaurs, more <laughs> incidental fat people, please. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just can't. That say that. I feel like we can start a movement. Like we need other <laughs> books, like more less incidental dinosaurs. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know if I, in, in terms of rooms to grow for the streets are free. I mean, it's definitely not a perfect picture book. Uh, it's, it's kind of overwritten and you know, there's not a huge amount of representation beyond what we've talked about. Um, but I, I think there's room for it. I, I, like I said, I love, I like the, the child activists and kind of community organizing component. I think it's a story that's not often told. So um, I'm willing to overlook the rooms to rooms to grow and celebrate the way to go. Oh, and there's breastfeeding. I just noticed there's like incidental breastfeeding pictured here and a bunch of dudes sitting around with cigarettes and beer. It's a, it's a, I think it's a neat book. Yeah, there's quite a bit of smoking actually on this page. (laughs) (laughs) Incidental alcoholism, incidental breastfeeding, but not both on the same page, but not the same person. So, yeah, (laughs) that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. Alcoholism. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Crystal, do you want to talk about your book? Sure. 
Um, I really feel like I'm like the negative reporter (laughs) because even like this book, I want to talk about this book and we in shift book box chose this book to feature in our, um, fat, uh, dismantling fat phobia book box, Uh celebrating bodies, dismantling fat phobia. And it's called Abigail the Whale by David Callie. I think that's how you pronounce his name. And illustrated by Sonia Bugava. Bugava. Does any can anyone help with that? Um, that sounds right. Published by Owl Kids. Um, and. This book is so let me I'm going to just start with the room to grow because I feel like there are many and I want to get it out of the way because I'm tired of saying all the things that I think are wrong. <laughs> um, but it's one, it's not own voices. It looks like both the illustrator and the author are white and thin bodied people. And the book is very white. I'm not even sure there's even one darker-skinned character in it. Yikes. <laughs> um, I think that beyond the main character, Abigail, and the coach, there are no other fat people or bigger-bodied people in it. Aww. It's all very, like, smaller people. Um, and it centralizes uh, being made fun of, which I are all things that are, like, this is, like, problematic. Also, the teasing is not refuted by the other children anywhere in the book Mm. it's kind of like self-solved through coaching of the coach and imaginative like embodiment by Abigail's character which I think is a positive thing in that it shows her personal power and um I you know it shows her kind of taking her own power and being self-embodied and finding her own kind of solution. But I kind of, I think that we also need more books that are showing, I would have preferred this book showed like a community centric effort in refuting the thing that's happening. That's negative because Mm. I think this kind of idea that one person, the person who's getting made fun of, or the person who's subject to harassment is responsible for, um, yeah figuring out how to resolve that internally or with their one advocate is problematic because they think Mm -hmm. we're talking about a cultural problem and so that needs to be dealt with culturally and i wish too that we are teaching children how to address issues like this in a cultural way that's like the culture of a group the culture of a classroom the culture of a family yeah, this kind of for thing sure. happens if you're witnessing teasing, if you're a part of a group where you are the person teasing or you're <clears throat> the person being teased. Like, how do we reform and advocate for each other and hold each other accountable and um, and all of that? So I don't think this book does any of that, which is unfortunate. Mm. And oh, can you hear that? Now there's like a tree being cut down outside my house. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, okay. Do you so, want yeah, to give a little right. overview of the plot? Sure. Yeah. So the reason, so Abigail the whale starts with Abigail, who is a bigger bodied 
little girl and she is going to swimming day wednesday swimming day at the pool and she um is a last in line because she knows that when she goes in the pool she's going to make huge waves and everyone shouts abigail is a whale and she looks mortified she says she hates diving she hates swimming she hates all the strokes and she uh, knows that she causes this big tsunami every time she moves and the other kids tease her. And it says that again, Abigail is a whale. And when the class is over, the teacher goes to her and gives her this kind of pep talk and gives her the idea or suggestion that she's not actually too big to be in the pool and that she can be whatever she wants to be if she just thinks it. So here in too, like I, it, this is complicated because I feel like, um, I love that this coach is in suggesting this like self-empowered aspect to how Abigail embodies herself or thinks about herself. And I feel like there's a sort of problematic nature to that idea because it's like, well, you can imagine yourself like anything, but aren't we trying to teach that any like you're okay as you are I and well, like maybe maybe you like are I mean he's trying to encourage her to encourage her to think that she's light because you she wants to be light so she can get through the pool and he's like if you want to be light feel light think light try it and so she goes on to yeah. um kind of go through these different scenes where she envisions herself as being a giant so that she's not scared going home and she's having trouble sleeping so she's a hedgehog like burrowing and she like goes on to try this in all these different ways and it really works and then when she gets back to the pool she enters without splashing and she it feels like she's a kayak and a surfboard and a submarine and a speedboat and all the kids are watching and nobody this time shouts Abigail is a whale. And then she gets up on the high diving board and this girl says something that um, is insinuating that she is not brave enough to dive and, and she dives and she mm. takes back on the wor word. Cause she's like, um, I'm going to be a super whale because that would be like the creature who would have the kind of bravery for that kind of dive. So there is this aspect of like, reclaiming the word that was used against you that I think is really cool about this book and also is yeah. odd to that in so many historic places. Um, so uh, yeah, I feel again, like the re part of the reason we chose this book, despite the problematic elements that I named is because there's, there really aren't that many, books out there that name fatness yeah and that point directly to bodies and people's experiences children's experiences like having bigger bodies and what like that can look like navigating in uh, the world like i'm not sure i feel fully resolved about mm. you know it's like i feel like we need a book between like we need like incidental fatness, but we also need to name fatness and we need like the narrative that shows like how to get through the world, but we also need a decent plot. And <laughs> I, f I feel like this is the, um, 
the 10,000 dresses of books about fatness. Mm. That's like, mm. here, here's the book that is the reflection of somebody who is dealing with teasing, which is something that happens from a really young age because of all these other sources of media. But we also now have this book that introduces teasing because of fatness. Yeah. So I, I'm glad this book exists. I recommend it as a part of a library and as a part of a bigger discussion. I don't think it can exist alone without mm. contextualizing some of these issues and without addressing like, oh, huh, like when I read this to River, you know, wow, like none of the other people in this book are uh, standing up for Abigail. Like, what do you think about that? Like, mm. What would that be different if that happened in our classroom or how would that feel? And, and really trying to bring relationship to the child about these elements that are feel like unresolved to me. Right. But in that, I think it's a great conversation starter. It shows like taking power back of body, taking power back of word. It shows like having an adult advocate and, um, that's that's what I've got to say. <laughs> right. And one thing I do one thing I do appreciate here like one thing I appreciate about when he's when the coach um is talking about kind of the the thinking um I I do appreciate that he is not saying like think thin, right? Mm. Like he's not like he's talking about the different like he he says do you, do you suppose birds or fish think they're too heavy? Of course not. You want to feel light? Think light. Like, it, and he's pointing to this. In, he's this imagined, like, kind of enormous, uh, doofy fish and this bird. Um, so, I, at least he's not saying like think thin. Like, there's mm. nothing in this book that's saying like you need to change your body. Like, you need to change. You need to change your physicality. It's about like ch- ch- shifting your mindset. Yeah. Um, which I think is is a valuable message. Yeah, I think, again, like we were saying before, we're just at the beginning of this curve, and I think that this is one of those books that's like the beginning of that curve of literature that I hope is going to flourish soon about right. this topic. Right. Um, there, so there were also two other books that I wanted to mention because I kept – seeing them and was recommended them. Um, but I saw them on a lot of lists and was recommended them by some people in, um, a part of some like children's book, like diverse children's literature groups on Facebook and things like that. And, uh, and, and there were just two books that I can't particularly recommend myself. Um, but I keep seeing them all over the place. And one of those was the belly book, um, by Fran. I'm going to butcher, butcher this last name. Manushkin, maybe, <laughs> um, and illustrated by Dan Yaccarino. Um, that so I really like the idea of it. Basically, it's this like cute little rhyming book that talks about all different kinds of bellies, but it is so binary. Like the first pages are every daughter, every son has their own, but only one with a button in mm. the middle. Can you guess? You know this little riddle and then like every page like the next page has like bellies we love you smooth or hairy and it shows a woman and a man on the mountains on the prairie like that's a little bit forced (laughs) just a touch (laughs) and in tokyo (laughs) hairy bodies hairy bellies yeah so like i appreciate 
the sentiment behind this book, but it is just like too binary to be what I think it want it to be. You know? And is it, does it have, um, I don't know if you've, if you've opened it I up, only have this sample. Have of- I have not been able to get it. I, from the reviews that I read, it does have some, uh, have a lot of diversity in the bellies that are shown. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, there is like size representation. Yes. yes. Um, and so, and like I, like I like the idea of, you know, encouraging kids to love their bellies but um overall i just like was as i was reading it i was a little like um and also a lot of the like i only was able to read the sample of it because i couldn't get my hands on it but um uh, a lot of the reviews said similar things about it just being overwhelmingly binary and the Mm. rhyming being a little bit a little bit forced um right and the the other book that uh several people recommended to me was my great big mama yeah by oliver ka and uh, illustrated by luke uh melanson Mel- melanson i can talk today um mm-hmm. and that one i was actually really excited about when i first heard about it um but unfortunately it's basically about this kid who has a, a mom who's a person of size and you know just like loves that she's that size and she's comfy and whatever um but the part that mostly bothered me about it is that like she goes on a diet yeah because of what other people are saying and then the kid's like well i'm gonna go on a diet too to show you how dumb your diet is (laughs) like i'm just like that's not a kid's responsibility but also like I'm sorry. We do not need more media connecting the idea that fat people are supposed to go on diet. Should diet? This yeah. Is ridic- this is like so yeah. offensive. <laughs> yes. Um, but I was I was really disappointed because I was really wanting it to be, you know, this book that is kind of touted as being of like this great positive, um, you know, like kid just being like, I love my mom the way she is. Like that's, you know, I love that. And like not even – just like how she is, but like, I like that she's fat. Like, that's great. Um, but I was just like, I was very disappointed by it. And this problematic dieting thing, just like, um, right. So that, you know, I just wanted to quickly mention those because I saw them around a lot and, um, was very disappointed by them. (sighs) but hopefully, hopefully we'll be getting more, uh, more positive books soon. (laughs) Right. There's certainly space for it. Yes. Yeah. There's a market. There's not a lot of competition. Identified publishers who are like more likely to publish books like these. Like, are we seeing a theme yet? Um, Do just do you mean um, well publishers who are publishing them or publishers who may? Because I could see. Uh, publishers who may like uh, maybe there are people listening to this podcast who have something in the works and like where can we encourage people to submit yeah, their um, I mean, we've jessica identified kingsley. jessica kingsley yeah, yeah. Great. um flamingo rampant also great if it has to do with queerness as well because they focus on queerness but they generally have a lot of diversity um uh i'm trying Looks to like oh, um several of our body positivity books were, pu- were published by little brown so little brown yes. 
coming up we haven't we haven't done that theme yet but i'm just looking at the body positivity mm-hmm. books on our spreadsheet and three of them are a little brown i feel like we've um feminist press has put out some really yeah i was going title. to mention that as well right anastasia higginbotham needs to get on uh, ordinary <laughs> terrible thing like fat phobia as an ordinary terrible thing you know <laughs> i mean granted right. she's a white like a believe like cis hetero thin white woman but um that would at least be one more of the like. This is a good start. Yeah, you, you guys know. know I have a. I'm like I have a book in the, my imagination. <laughs> right. Yes. In the world. <laughs> I know you both do too. When are we gonna start Radchild Publishing Company? <laughs> Soon. Oh my gosh, that would be nice. Who's gonna give me the grant for that? Yeah, I for can- reals. Are there grants for publishing books? Probably. I found a pod. I mean, I got a grant for the podcast. You find the grant. I'll write the grant. I'm a grant. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, um, well, anyway, thanks so much for being here as always. And uh, hopefully let's keep crossing our fingers that uh, these books are going to come out soon. And it won't be maybe in a year we won't have as much trouble finding topic, you know, titles for these topics. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and keep, keep doing the work to promote fat positivity. Yeah. Out in our, out in the world. Definitely. All right. Well, I'm have a good rest of your day, day, guys. Likewise. Likewise. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Bye.